An Instagram post gets an unexpected boost. A TikTok catches in the algorithm. Sometimes that's all it takes to launch someone into internet fame. But then what? This Blew Up is a new podcast documentary that reveals how social media stardom is made. It's a different kind of fame that's not always as glamorous as it looks. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Alyssa Bereznak. You can listen to This Blew Up on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Hi, I'm Tara Palmieri. I'm Puck Senior Political Correspondent, and this is Somebody's Gotta Win. My guest today is political strategist Steve Schmidt. He is a longtime Republican, now a Democrat, who started his career in the Bush White House, working for Dick Cheney. He then went on to be Sergeant Schmidt on John McCain's 2008 presidential campaign. He was with McCain when he came in third in the Iowa caucus, and then they somehow pulled it out in New Hampshire, winning the New Hampshire primary and then going on to win the South Carolina primary and the rest is history. He's famously known for suggesting that John McCain select Sarah Palin as his running mate and you know how that worked out. He's played by Woody Harrelson in the HBO movie Game Change. I highly recommend reading the book. After Trump was elected, he helped found the Lincoln Project. Now he's a registered Democrat, but he's working for Dean Phillips now. He helped launch the campaign of a Democratic congressman who is challenging President Joe Biden. It's a long shot campaign. It's unlikely to happen. But, you know, he is helping a 54 year old gelato heir take on who will most likely be the Democratic nominee who is up against Trump. And by helping prop up a challenger to Joe Biden, he may be inadvertently helping Donald Trump. So. The main message from Dean Phillips' campaign is that it's time to pass the torch. He's saying that Joe Biden is too old, and his ads reflect that. In fact, they are blanketing the airwaves in New Hampshire where Biden is not buying any ads and where Biden is not on the ballot because the Democratic National Committee decided to change the primary calendar to start in South Carolina, where Joe Biden had a resounding victory rather than start in New Hampshire where he was defeated by Mayor Pete and others. So... Joe Biden is not on the ballot in New Hampshire and Dean Phillips is working to win that state. It would be embarrassing for Biden. There are Democrats working on a write-in campaign to make sure that doesn't happen, a write-in campaign for Biden. But in the meantime, he's putting out ads that show Biden looking confused, saying he's too old, highlighting polls, showing that Biden is unelectable, that he would get beaten by Trump in various swing states. All these ads, they're getting retweeted by Republicans in the Republican National Committee. He even called Biden a threat to democracy yesterday. Yeah, I know. And he suggested that he supports the Republicans' impeachment inquiry into Biden. It's never a good look when 
everyone in the party is not on the same page. So this is not a great thing for Biden, even if he is just a thorn in his side and he won't get the nomination. So Steve, you are a never-Trump Republican. What are you doing here with Phillips? Well, I, I helped launch his campaign, and then I stepped outside and started the first outside group um, to run the first ads. And then there's a more permanent outside group that will take him all the way through. But, you know, to the larger point, um, I believe in democracy and I think it is essential, you know, that for a bunch of reasons, I'm sure we're going to talk about that President Biden had a challenger. You are still an ever Trumper, right? I mean, Dean said on his Twitter that you were leaving to start another organization to stop Trump. I have been like, I mean, if there's like one thing I've been consistent on, it's about Trump, right? Um, you know, all the way back, you, Trump gives me credit for being the first person on American television when everyone was laughing. When he came down the escalator, he said, this guy could win the nomination, is winning the nomination, will win the nomination. I've always taken him seriously as a heart attack. I predicted the violence. Mm in September of 2020. And I believe he is the greatest individual threat to the Republic in the history uh, of the country, or not. And so, so I am inflexible, absolute, mm. and total in my opposition to him. Okay, so where does Dean Phillips play into that, though? Because D- Dean Phillips is not going to beat Trump. And if anything, you know, Dean could weaken Biden. That's what a lot of people think. Um, just his just the fact that his campaign is mainly pointing out that Biden is too old, in his opinion, and that a lot of Democrats agree with that. In fact, it's something more than 60 percent of Democrats. And Dean's main campaign has been around that because he votes with Biden 100 percent of the time. Are you concerned that Dean Phillips, you know, weakens the most credible challenger to Trump, which is Biden? I think that there's a contradiction inherent in the question, right? Which is this notion that Dean Phillips is simultaneously not a threat to Biden, has no chance against Trump, but on the other hand, is the cause of Biden's weakness against Trump. He points it out. He points out his weakness. Like that's his campaign. Nobody needs it pointed out to them that Joe Biden is 82 years old. Right. That's not that's not reality. Right. There's I think it's 81 now, right? 81, 81, 82. So there's nobody in the country that doesn't understand this, doesn't see it. And secondly, mm. right, there there are volumes, the likes of which we've never seen before, of polling information that says the country doesn't want the Biden Trump rematch. Right. Eighty percent of the country. That's why this show is called Somebody's Gotta Win. <laughs> There's kind of a conventional wisdom, right, that exists, which is that the two political parties never agree on anything. And that's not true, right? I mean, they obviously agree on on this, right? That this this is what you're gonna get. You're getting this. This is the choice. So what you're watching, right, is a is a cleaving of the ice from the glacier, if you will. Now, this isn't covered, but it doesn't make it not real. Bobby Kennedy 
is sitting at about 25% in national polls while being largely boycotted. Now, if you're at 25%, can you get to 30? 100%. He needs to get on the ballot. That's a hard task. It is a hard task. Between zero to 300 electoral votes is the delta between 30 and 39% in a multiple candidate race which also enlarges the field to 40 states. What will Joe Manchin do? What will Liz Cheney do? There's a lot of events that will play out between today and the, and the election. And so- But all of those people help Trump. They do. Before we talk about that, I think a couple of things need to be said that are just just facts, right? Reality. So the first thing is President Biden's team wanted Trump. Of course. Right. They wanted Trump to be the Republican nominee. A year ago. A year ago, two years ago, three years ago. They have always wanted Trump. Because he's weak. Because they believed Trump is weak. And Biden beats Trump. And that's why they wanted Trump to advance. So what is Trump? Is Trump a prop or is Trump a threat? Count me in the in the threat category, because there are scores and scores and scores of background flights from White House officials saying we want Trump, not that we want Trump gone off the national stage, repudiated. What, what Joe Biden promised in his campaign in 2020 was to restore the soul of America, which meant foundationally dealing with and lowering the temperature on an extremist movement. How's the extremist movement? It's hotter. It's better funded. It's more organized. And any person who understands anything about politics would look at the Sean Hannity town hall with Donald Trump and the viciousness of the assaults on President Biden and understand that there will be no apologies for Don- from Donald Trump in the coming campaign. The assault is underway and Joe Biden has been steamrolled by a billion dollar propaganda wave that they have not effectively withstood. But the result in this moment is not the result of Dean Phillips is, is challenging him. The result of this moment is a result of wishing Trump to stay around, not confronting the extremism effectively. And, and so now, right, when you have a situation where Vivek Ramaswamy, Alex Jones, Elon Musk, and Andrew Tate are yucking it up on Twitter. Who in the society is going to address that and call that out under an umbrella from better? Where is the energy, the vitality, right, demanding, right, that this extremism yields in the face of Americanism. So I do agree with you on the idea that, okay, the Biden administration, Biden world would rather have Trump than any of these other candidates. I mean, just the stark contrast. You look at Nikki Haley, she pulls ahead of Biden substantially 
if it was Trump versus Nikki Haley, she would kill Biden versus Trump versus Biden, even though Trump is polling ahead of Biden. He is the weakest of the GOP candidates. He's got a lot of baggage, but some, but I think it was a miscalculation, you know, maybe around this time last year, even before that, where they thought that Trump was even weaker because he was, he was weaker than these indictments have turbo fueled the base for him. They've even made some soft Republicans have sympathy for him. So I agree with you in that sense. I just think ultimately Biden is going to run. He is not going to step down. And I understand, I I see Dean Phillips as a pressure campaign maybe to get Biden to step down and to not run. But I also think that since Biden is not going to step down, that it only hurts him. It only weakens his bid. Because it's just having any opponent, not having the party unified behind you. He, he's the only elected official. Like, sure, no one's paying attention to Marianne Williamson. Some people are, but she's polling not that bad, actually, um, in New Hampshire, he's at least. doing better against Biden than Nikki Haley is against Trump, which says everything you need to know about the state of the political media in the, in the country. None of this is real. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you like what's, what's real. Right. And I, and I think this is like an important point. Now, Dean Phillips campaign has been underway, right, for for some time now. And I'm not I'm not running or directing the campaign, but I'm going to I'm going to go back to the origin point of the of the campaign. Joe Scarborough said something really important on his show. He said that every single person who comes on. In the Democratic Party, all of them say one thing on camera and another thing when the camera goes off. They're all, all of them worried about Biden's capacity to run and win the election. Everybody in this country is, not just the people on TV. But when the whole of a political party and all of the media, conspire together in an age where there are a lot of stories about misinformation. What's the word for that relationship? But the American people see it and it fuels their anger and it fuels their and it fuels their cynicism. And so what Dean Phillips did was say the quiet part out loud. And what he what he said is, right, I'm gonna go and I'm going to practice democracy here. And I, and I just, I believe, I believe in two things in this, that deeply. I believe in the New Hampshire primary. I, I think it's an okay. extremely important American tradition. Dean won't win any delegates. Well, I, I think, I also think as someone who's done this for a long time, that the DNC would cave and will cave mm. right, on the delegate question. Um, you know, they're not going to disenfranchise. Democratic Party can't disenfranchise voters for a lot of different reasons, uh, particularly not in a state with two women senators. But putting that aside, the practice of democracy is required for its preservation. And, and And the fact of the matter is, right, like we're in an era where the hypocrisy is just jagged, right? It's down to the bone. Trump is 
the great threat to democracy, but it's impossible to get on the ballot in this state or that state or wherever else. So no, no, I think these are two men who want to hold on to power. There is no, there is one man who does not want to give it up because of his age and another man who wants it back. Like I am in no dispute with you on that. The only thing is that I don't think the, I don't think the media is carrying water for Biden. Yes. Like there are elected officials that go on TV on MS on Morning Joe, and they say Joe Biden is spry and he's amazing, and I just saw him and he's great and he's the brightest guy of all time. And I've had those people on my show, okay. But I'm also the media is constantly pointing out poll after poll after poll what Americans are seeing. What all they have to do is see a frail person, and that is all they need to see. And they know the age because we all have grandparents or parents. The parties are definitely especially the Democratic Party is being like, eat this dog food, eat this dog food. Nobody wants to eat it. I agree with you, but I just don't know how Dean Phillips is the answer to that. Well, well, voters will decide in, in New Hampshire whether whether he gets advanced forward or not. But but what he said at the beginning, this is true. And sometimes when this is said on any given media show right on msnbc or cnn there's a lot of belligerence right to it to being said out loud though it though it is true nikki haley is crushing joe biden in national polls right now oh absolutely like 10 to 12 points or something like that donald trump is beating joe biden in national polls right now. Marion Williams is closer to Joe Biden than Nikki Haley is to Trump. And Dean Phillips is closer to Biden than Marion Williamson. But here's the problem. The DNC isn't going to see a, a Dean Phillips win in New Hampshire as a reason to get rid of their candidate. It's not going to put enough pressure on Biden. I mean, it might embarrass him, but I can't see that happening. The question is, is what would happen in the second state? And it's it's theoretical, right? Until, until it happens in the first. But that's the rationale. He started out by saying, and this is true, that Joe Biden reneged on a promise. And the promise was... To be a bridge. Right? To be the bridge, yeah. right? And, and I literally had with someone I'm really close to, I had like a big argument with this about it because their position. How was, can you not? <laughs> and their, their position was like Biden was not explicit about it. Biden didn't break his promise on that. Oh, yeah. I mean, anyone you talk to in the White House will be like bridge. It's just like right? a bridge. It's and I'm, a like, thing. And I'm yeah. like, you're nuts. Because here's what that means. Like, because I'm the same age as Cory Booker. Right. I think. Right. You're like both like 53. So like, what does that mean? Like Cory Booker's ready for national leadership when he, cause he was in the shot with Biden when he's 62. Right? Like generational change is a moral proposition and it's been put forward. And there's, and there's a blindness in the land to a fundamental thing right now. Riddle me this, Joe Biden, if you're FDR, how come you're losing to Donald Trump right now? And there's, that's a catastrophic result for the country. So my question would be, what's the plan? Because if you look at the White House strategy, it seems to me what they want is gratitude from the American people, right? They want to thank you 
for a job well done. Over and over again, the stories say, well, when the truth of the record's known, all of this. I'm just telling you, the decision to label this economy Bidenomics is the biggest off-the-line mistake in a presidential campaign in the modern era. I think they're aware of that now. You could literally hold a gun to my head and say, like, it, it's you have to tell us one thing about it, right? Or it's your life. And I, I could not tell you one thing that they want to do in the second term, which isn't going to be good enough against Trump. And so, so if Dean Phillips kicked the Joe Biden campaign into gear 15 seconds early, and Joe Biden is going to be the nominee of the Democratic Party against Trump, that's a good thing. Because their political effort is moribund. Oh, so you think a little competition is going to like light a fire under his ass? I think that when you come out of Christmas, you're going to have a a moment. You know, New Hampshire's a late breaking state. What when is it for the Democrats? It's not the same date as the Republicans, though, right? Twenty-third. Is it okay? You know what I've said. You know what I said. Even you know at the beginning, you know, helping him is that you know if he doesn't win the New Hampshire primary, he should he should get out of the race. But here's the thing: in the New Hampshire primary, he could take independence, right? And Nikki Haley right now is she's got this. Uh, soft money, super PAC, whatever. She, they're using, spending a ton of money to try to get independents and Democrats to come over to her side to support her in New Hampshire. Now, if you got, if you put Dean Phillips in the race, they're not going to register as Republicans or they're, well, they don't have to. It's an open primary state, but they're not going to, they're less likely maybe to come out and support Nikki Haley. And if there's going to be one stop gap for Trump, since I think they say that he is polling ahead of any candidate, he has the highest lead any candidate in Iowa history. That's insane. So if there's ever a chance to stop Trump, it's going to be in New Hampshire because also New Hampshire primary voters like to say F you to the caucus voters, you know, in Iowa, as you know, from your experience with McCain, but you put Dean Phillips in the race and, you know, maybe he takes a good share of those 400,000 independent voters that could, you know, end up voting for Nikki Haley. And she could be the one who ultimately stops Trump. And if you are truly a never Trumper, I would think you'd rather have you know, Nikki Haley as a nominee than Trump. Yes. As an academic proposition, I would rather have Nikki Haley as the Republican nominee than Donald Trump. Right. Like like anybody. That being said. Right. Nikki Haley, in my view, is completely disqualified. And Chris Christie can't get out of the race because Chris Christie's the only guy on the proverbial stage left who didn't raise his hand on the question of, well, it doesn't matter if Trump's been sentenced to prison and convicted of 92 felonies, I'm with them forever to the end of time, hail Trump. The second component to it is I completely reject the premise, right? It's just not how independent voters displace in the state of New Hampshire, right? Then why spend all this money to try to win them over? My family's lived in New Hampshire for 25 years. My dad was the deputy majority leader of the New Hampshire legislature. I've spent a lot of time in the state. There are independents that behaviorally and participation-wise perform as Democrats. There are independents that perform as Republicans. And then there is a sliver that can be determinative in a race that's decided in under a point and a half or so. What we're looking at right now in New Hampshire 
and the totality of everything is overwhelming strength from Donald Trump. And you have a candidate who, whether it was in 1988, uh, 2008, or 2020, when he came in fifth place to Mayor Pete, and then avenge that, right, by getting rid of the New Hampshire primary, the, the candidate on the field with a real proven weakness in the state of New Hampshire is Joe Biden. And so what you're going to see, right, in, in the month of January, right, is if Dean Phillips' numbers, right, start to move if they pick up, right? Well, he's Biden's not even going to be on the ballot. He's not on the ballot, though, in New Hampshire. He is on the ballot because he's the incumbent president. They'll have to write in. It's a write in. Listen, he made the LBJ mistake. They they chose to do what they chose to do. I think it will be a very embarrassing event for them, but I don't think it will change their calculus. He's the incumbent president. New Hampshire has been the first in the nation primary state since 1920. Then why are they spending all this money on this write-in campaign for Biden? This is a really important point. Why is New Hampshire first? It's the first place in the country where someone had an idea, a kind of a new era in politics, that the voters ought to get a say. And so we're going to have a primary where the voters, not the backroom guys, have a say. By the way, that election cycle, 1920, the winning presidential campaign, the slogan is a return to normalcy. So at any rate, the New Hampshire primary has endured from then until now, first in the nation, primary in a state with a history and tradition of the town hall meeting. I know, I understand the history, but I just like, we're in 2023. Well, here's, here's what I believe. I believe if Dean Phillips wins the New Hampshire primary, yeah. I believe if that happens, he would be north of 40% in South Carolina. And then he would be likely to win the Michigan primary. And then wherever Dean Phillips was going from Michigan, which I suspect would be California, the Democratic Party establishment would be imploding. I don't think the DNC understands this. Where do you get this 40% in South Carolina? Like, are you guys doing polling or something like that? No, I, I'm just, I believe that if he wins in New Hampshire, he would get over 40% of the vote in South Carolina. Is he on the ballot in South Carolina, though? And he's Did on he the ballot it? and he's on the ballot in Michigan, right? Like, listen, if there's a question about the vitality of a candidate, right? So, so Ron DeSantis is trying to make an issue of Trump's age and vitality. Just recently. So I, just, I just watched it. Trump on the stage with Sean Hannity for an hour. Oh, God. Can't get that back. He looked crazy to me, but he looked pretty vital. And my question is. What month can we look forward to Joe Biden facing off against him? Hour by hour by hour, day by grueling fucking day until this is over and he is defeated. Because that hasn't happened for the last three years on a consistent basis. And the result of it is. Not that 
oh my God, Joe Biden has a primary challenger and thus Trump is in a win. It's that Joe Biden has failed to extinguish the extremism and is in fact losing to the most dangerous American that has ever been in a presidential election that would yield catastrophe. And everybody knows it. And no one will say it out loud in front of a television camera. And Dean Phillips is the problem. Holy shit. It's not about that. You know, obviously, it's a protest against Biden, pointing out his weakness, challenging his supremacy in the party. It's making voters who already have questions about Biden go out and vote for somebody else in the primary. And then it's also perhaps keeping a nominee who would be stronger than Trump from getting on the stage like a Nikki Haley, because in the state of New Hampshire, there are 40 percent of the electorate is undeclared. Okay, so there's there are some ramifications there. What kind of advice would you give Joe Biden right now? How can he turn it around? You said in your Substack that Biden needs to get in the field and really campaign. This is obviously a way to show that he has youth and vigor. Um, I mean, how does he do that? And, and you think he needs to do, do it now and he should just be attacking Trump head on and ignore the rest of them? Let's talk about like four appalling figures that came together and kind of illuminated this era. We have Elise Stefanik and the three Ivy League presidents, right? But, but between them, like four Ivy Leaguers, two Harvard grads at least, and Elise Stefanik, a polaris of cynicism, utter lack of principles, right? Whose ambition is fueled by this extremism, which she enters her political career on the opposite side of another Lindsey Graham. Then you have these Ivy League presidents who cannot answer a question about, about anti-Semitism. So that dogma, that, that strain of ideology, plus Trump's fascism, plus the fact that, for example, as a detail, that Hungarian political representatives of Viktor Orban are meeting together with U.S. senators to dissuade them from arming Ukraine, which will have the same effect for European peace that the Munich Agreement had in 19, 1938. But put all of that aside for, for a second. What is the answer to, to all of it? And the answer to all of it is Americanism. There's such a thing. We are a country based on an idea and built on a hypocrisy around that idea that has narrowed over two and a half centuries, where the, where the ideas of the country, freedom of speech, tolerance, freedom of faith, conscience, mm. these things are under threat. And at the foundation of our society is we the people pick our leaders. It is the most profound breach, the lack of decency, the immorality, the corruption. There has to be the beginning of a reform era 
And, and the reality is there is a stagnation that's clear and present and all of it, all of it is lifting up Trump. What, what hurts Joe Biden isn't Dean Phillips. It's the district attorney of San Francisco. It's the district attorney of Los Angeles. That's who hurts Joe Biden. But so what is he supposed to do? You're telling me like what the problem is, but I'm wondering like, what's the answer? That's, I mean, as a political strategist, what would you get? What kind of advice would you give him? Joe Biden is going to have to run the campaign of his life. He has to go to the country mm-hmm. on one of the most important questions on the history of the country. There's this idea that that has been signaled through background quotes that the president won't campaign. He'll hang out bunkered in the White House. Well, Trump storms around the country in a carnival of insanity without rebuttal, without response. So no uh, Rose Garden campaigning for Joe Biden. So he's really got to be out there is what you're saying. Be out there enunciating a clear choice, a clear vision, the choice, the choice, the choice. This is a choice. You know, and the, and the reality is um, Trump is effectively uh, made the race a referendum on Joe Biden right now. Yeah, he switched it. And everything, by the way, I'm saying is 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 widely understood by every practitioner of presidential politics, both sides, with the possible exception of the, the folks around around Biden in the White House. I think there's just a lot of limits too to like pushing him and how far he can go and do and you know, he still have to be president and then, you know, there are a lot of other issues. But how do you stop Trump from getting the nomination? How does Nikki Haley do it? What's how does she do it? You know, how does Ron DeSantis do it? It doesn't seem like he's got the best shot since he's dropping, but I'd be curious to see if you think so. How, how do either of them stop him? At the end of the day, um, Trump has to lose somewhere. So where where is the first place, right, where Trump can lose? Right on the on the map, right? So if I objectively look at that New Hampshire, maybe? Is that the only one? But he won New Hampshire. Theoretically, right? But again, right, can Marion Williamson beat beat Biden in New Hampshire? I don't think so, right? I, I do think that it's possible that Dean Phillips could. But he's not on the ballot. It's a totally different situation. Trump is on the ballot in New Hampshire. What what I'm saying is I think that of all of those scenarios, right, the idea that Nikki Haley's gonna catch Trump in New Hampshire is improbable. But when you look at the map, it's the only place where it's theoretically possible, right? So all of a sudden, we're talking about the Nikki Haley search. And and really the question, Mm -hmm. like to me, that there's a a paramount- But she probably won't win South Carolina though, even in her own home state. There's a paramount question that that, that Nikki Haley's campaign doesn't seem to understand, I think is a strategic matter, which is this. The goal is to beat Trump not to be the last person standing on the junior varsity demolition derby stage, right? So Nikki Haley right now, right? It doesn't matter, right? What, whatever way you want to slice the electorate, right? She, she's entitled to no deference because the hand is up in the end. Nikki Haley has said, that's my guy. Round round two, forever Trump. She is a forever Trumper. 
Chris Christie, right, despite all of the things I wish that he did not do, Chris Christie is completely off the boat. It's completely off the boat. So she should get out of the way for Chris Christie because the last person running against Trump should be the person who says no, never, no chance, catastrophe. Can she win while alienating Trump is the question. Alienating Trump voters. I think that you have to persuade voters, not cultists. So, But are there enough of them? Well, I mean, the polling would suggest not, right? That this is already decided. Right. I mean, any fair reading of the poll right, would, would say, right, we should just cancel all the elections, right, and, right, we can have Biden and Trump, and no debates, by the way, right? I mean, you can rationalize all of this a thousand different ways, but giving people a choice never is injurious to the cause of what all of this should be about in the end. Um, and that causes freedom. It's liberty. It's the idea that we get a choice. And so, so I don't understand why the incapacity exists to make an argument that's so central to our civilization. Right? I mean, if you had the founding fathers and John Kennedy and Martin Luther King and Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln, everybody sitting around looking at the progress of the country. Right. All of the people who were the most scathing in their indictments, right, like a Frederick Douglass, but also deeply optimistic. And you you showed them what Trump did in 20. They would be he did what? And, and that argument, yeah. that argument and the consequences of it, the notion that it's impossible to permeate the 21st century American mind with an 18th century ideal about freedom spells deep catastrophe. I think a lot of these people in this country, they don't really know what they're, they don't know what it's like to not have freedom because we've, they've taken it for granted for so many centuries. People weak enough to lose it will never, yeah. ever be strong enough to get it back. But maybe our right. grandchildren will. But I also think that maybe these, um, you know, great minds, founders, they might have also thought, hey, maybe the primary process isn't really working out. They're not necessarily picking the most electable candidates nationwide. And they might also be thinking, hey, maybe the electoral college isn't working out so great. They may have thought, hey, it might be time to rejigger a few things. Um, who has the... Um, I don't know, courage to do it. There are strong arguments for the back room. Produced a lot of great leaders. Yeah, I think interesting times. We'll have to uh, we'll we'll have to check it out. But before we we sign off, why is Trump so strong? Why does it? Why is he stronger now than he was the last time he ran in twenty twenty? Because Donald Trump is a philosopher without peer of fuck youism. Trust has evaporated so thoroughly, completely, and pervasively that there's no expectation between the American people and the leaders of institutions, business, corporate, media, government, political, right? No trust whatsoever in any of these places. And so because they have no expectations left, 
what what satisfies them is somebody with the energy and indefatigability to deliver an endless series of fuck yous to the people that they hold personally responsible for the destruction of their American dream, constant condescension, in some cases, the death of a million people from opioids, whatever, whatever it may be. And literally Trump never, ever, ever, never, ever fails to deliver. He also never says sorry. Um, he never admits he's wrong. The people that the American people hold in contempt, Trump never backs down to. He antagonizes them. Uh, he assaults them and they scream and they love it. And so when you don't have better, when you look out and there's a desert with no oasis, there's no aspiration. There's no politics of purpose. The philosopher of fuck youism wins the election every time. The American character, right, is, is as if there's a unifying thread. But in. Then again, like, I kind of agree with you, but I also say, like, that's not all of America because he doesn't he doesn't get really above 30 percent in a general election. It's not all of America. There's two coalitions that are in competition. The Trump coalition is a coalition between conservatives and Republicans and MAGA extremists, between MAGA extremists and all manner of dangerous extremists, and then apathy, lassitude, people who just don't care. The pro-democracy coalition, right, is a very broad disagreeable one you know my my point is my worry my concern is all on the basis of of a belief that the time for generational change has arrived it's passed but also that joe biden is losing but if he is the democratic nominee i will do everything that i can conceivably do to help them win. In the last election, I founded a group that raised $100 million for that purpose. Yeah, the Lincoln Project. And, and I, will, I will do whatever I can do to, to, to help that. But the, but the severity of this moment, the hypocrisies of it are manifestly clear. And, and this is going to be a, a, a tumultuous political year in the history of the country in 2024. So for now, during the nominating process, you're okay with working with someone who's challenging Biden's leadership. But then in the next phase, when you get into the general, you are going to be working to help Biden, essentially. I think my participation in the, you know, is largely is largely at its end. Right. I, I, I encouraged him to run, um, to say the quiet part out loud, um, helped him stand up a campaign. He's got a couple of uh, he's got Bernie Sanders campaign manager Jeff Weaver and mm. Andrew Yang's guy Zach Grauman running it, um, and now there is a outside group, um, you know, founded by a group of Silicon Valley guys that are going to raise the resources, you know, necessary to compete at a presidential campaign. And that that's, you know, what what I believed is is that it is that there is nothing unhealthy in the process for a 54-year-old democratic 
congressman who's absolutely prepared to be president, who's a very articulate, very good candidate uh, to go out there and to give it a shot and go up to New Hampshire. And that's what's happening. And I think one of two things will happen on January 23rd, as it always does on election night. You, you win or you lose. And when you lose an election, you should concede it with grace. Do you think that you you kind of hope that others would join in, like that there would be more that would join the pack, some more maybe legitimate uh, candidates like a Gavin Newsom or J.B. Pritzker? Was that what you were hoping for? Let's say a scenario where Dean wins. In 1976, right, Jimmy Carter legitimately came out of nowhere. And when it was clear, like Jimmy Carter was going to be the nominee, right, there were conversations in Washington that were like, no, but like, who's going to be the nominee? It was like, no, it's going to be Jimmy Carter, right? It's going to be the guy who won, right? The guy who won the delegates. So I think like Dean Phillips has said that, right? Like that, you know, throughout the spring, why isn't Gretchen Whitmer running? Why isn't Governor Newsom running, right? I think, I think like when you look at ahead to 2028, you have Josh Shapiro, right? You have Wes Moore, right? Um, you have a bunch of candidates in, in 2028. Right, that are diminishing the, the twenty twenty some chances provided, right? We have what resembles a fair election. And 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 the truth of the matter is this, right? There's and, and I, I just want to say this like last last thing. In all of history, every person who has promised a concentration camp has promised a mass deportation, has promised to lock up political opponents has promised to put the military on the streets. Every single one of those people, when they got political power, they did it. But what if you are inadvertently helping this person? Does it keep you up at night a little bit? If you extend your argument... So you don't think Dean helps Trump at all? The person who is abetting Donald Trump's ambition is Joe Biden. And President Biden again, wanted this and his team wanted this. So we'll see if Dean Phillips makes him move. Before Kevin McCarthy brought him back to life in Mar-a-Lago with a picture and Kevin McCarthy said, we need Trump, right? But so did the Trump industrial complex and so did team Biden and they wanted him and now they got him. Except for one thing, something went awry with the plan because it turns out he's stronger than before. <laughs> right now, instead of Trump being the guy that Biden can be, turns out that it looks like right now President Biden is the only guy that Trump can be. Well, we don't know yet, actually. Well, we know it if we look at the polls. Right. Right. Which are far more certain than any kind of speculative effort. If this person runs here that like it's helping Trump. Right. What what helps Trump. Is an inability and an unwillingness to confront the core of Trumpism. And I'll tell you another thing that helps Trump. Bob Menendez helps Trump. And when Chuck Schumer goes out and he says, oh, this guy's been a great public servant for the state of New Jersey. That helps Trump because the Democratic Party has to be better, has to be better. Right. There has to be a difference. Right. Two parties filled with scumbaggery. Trump wins that contest. Yeah, I understand. I understand. 
All right. Well, thank you, Steve. I appreciate it. We'll see what happens. Got it. Uh, we'll see if if Dean makes it uh, makes the makes the Biden team move a little bit. But um, yeah, I'll check in with you when you're on to your next thing. The New Hampshire primary um, will do its thing, and you'll yep. see what happens up there. And okay. you're gonna and you're gonna know, I suspect, by the end of that night, what the race is gonna look like in November. Thanks, Steve. I <laughs> uh, appreciate your time. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Somebody's Gotta Win. I'm Tara Palmieri. I want to thank my producers, Connor Nevins and Christopher Sutton. If you like my reporting, sign up for my newsletter, The Best and the Brightest. Go to puck.news slash Tara Palmieri. And if you like this podcast, subscribe, rate it, share it with your friends. And I'll be back on Thursday. <laughs>